welcome to the Mile 99 interview series with your hosts, Greg Larkin, Mike Turner, and Jessica Harris. Enjoy this episode, and we'll hope to see you on the trails soon. Welcome, everybody. This is the Mile 99 interview. It's episode number 14. And uh, tonight we have our guest, Jennifer Hemmen, and uh, she is joining us and talking with us about some pretty exciting stuff that she's been doing in the past year. So, um, yeah, I just want to give a quick couple of introductions and we'll get moving. Um, so my name is Greg Larkin, I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm here with Mike Turner and Jessica Harris. And uh, they'll be uh, jumping in, I'm sure, with some questions and handling our audience questions that we always have at the end. So we'll, we'll talk to folks for a while here, and then we'll, we'll jump into the audience Q&A. Uh, anybody that's on the Zoom session, just be aware you're going to be muted um, during the, the normal part of the interview. And then at some point, we'll, um, uh, if you have questions, uh, Jessica will be rounding those up, and then we can unmute you and you can ask your questions. Uh, we're also going to be taking questions off of the Facebook live stream. So hopefully we'll get some uh, some good ones. I think we're going to have some great topics to cover tonight. So without further ado, uh, welcome, Jennifer. It's glad, great to have you here tonight. Thanks. Happy to be here. All right. So, um, you know, just uh, one of the things that uh, has sort of popped into the, the radar here over the last month or so was uh, I have an Amazon Prime account and uh, looking for some shows to watch um, and something came up like the world's toughest race. What is this all about? <laughs> and uh, if anybody is familiar with, I think it was back in what the early two thousands or so they had the eco challenge yeah. uh, that would be held every year um, at various, you know, different locations around the world. And this was a multi-sport um, type of team based race that people would, you know, enter from all over the world and it would challenge people in many different types of sports disciplines uh, that they would have to master in order to become, you know, the basically the team that wins this this incredible challenge. And uh, you had the opportunity to participate in kind of like a reboot, I guess, of the Eco Challenge uh, in 2019. Um, so I guess let's just start off with let's talk about that. And I know, you know we can get into obviously the, um, the his, you know, your backstory and all of that stuff, but I just want to kind of jump right in and find out like, how did you get connected with this eco challenge right off the bat? Well, you know, um, I got a call out of the blue from my children's swim instructor who had been their swim coach uh, when they were 10 years old. So it had been about four years. And he said, hey, um, my college teammate from my swim team called me up and said, he's been waiting almost 20 years to do Eco Challenge. And he asked uh, if I would do it with him. He got an email saying it was coming back to TV. And he said, there's only one woman that I would do this race with, and it's Jennifer Heaven. So that was a pretty big, uh, a pretty big ego boost. And I said, of course, what what are you talking about? And he said, it's called Eco Challenge um, and it's the world's toughest race. And I said, well, I'll go look it up on YouTube. I actually had been part of the Waldorf school system. So we didn't have a TV mm. for almost 15 years. And I'd never watched a single episode of Eco Challenge because we weren't allowed to watch TV at our household. So I went and YouTubed the Eco Challenge series 
And I called him back the next day and said, yeah, I think those are all things that I do. I, I can do that. Um, and from there, we, we put together a video in the next 48 hours. I put it together with my daughter who's 16 and could help me with that. And we submitted our video as Team Curl, our only um, real connector with the people that were on my team being that we had curly hair. We have really crazy curly hair and we had never met except for Justin and I. Mm -hmm. And we were picked to be part of the Good Challenge. Amazing. Based on our resumes, uh, our very different backgrounds. Right. Um, mostly probably from our curly hair. <laughs> you as know, crazy would, as that sounds. You wouldn't so. know it, but when I was a kid, I had curly hair. So yeah. <laughs> I can see like yeah. that, that draw, you know. Um anyone, anyone with this hair is on is on team curl. It means you wake up and you know what your day will be. You don't know what you'll look like, and you you bring it. So nice. So yeah, I mean, how many different teams then applied for this um, for this race, and how many actually got in? Um, rumor has it that two thousand teams applied, and sixty six were picked, and we were one of them. Wow! We had a pretty awesome entry video, I have to say. So, and how long? Like, how many you had to showcase yourself, show, showcase your team, that sort of thing? Was that how that worked? Yeah, you have to tell why you want to race and what you've done and basically what's your, you know, what's your motivation for wanting to be back. The hardest part, which is different from this year is uh, getting into eco challenge is that it had to be very top secret. So you couldn't tell anybody that you were applying and you certainly couldn't tell anybody that you got in. Mm. And then they start wondering like, why are you doing like outrigger canoe training? <laughs> Or something like exactly that. like what what are you doing you know so <laughs> everything had to be so secret and there was no pr involved and um they were pretty behind schedule in terms of letting you know if you've been picked mm -hmm. once you were picked you couldn't talk about it or promote yourself so i'm not interested in tv or being on film at all so that was fine with me because that's not my um cup of tea but in terms of training i went into hyper mode in terms of trying to get myself up to speed with what I needed to be ready for September. Yeah. So talk a little bit about the format of the race, all the different disciplines, what you felt you were capable of, things you were not so sure about, like how did that all work? Well, they had a race staff on Amazon that was really fantastic at emailing and keeping in touch with you that way. So. I was made team captain mostly because nobody else wanted to handle the volume of emails and information coming at you from Amazon, who was taking this on after 17 years. So, you know, not only Mark Burnett, but the people designing the course, Kevin Hoder and the people that designed the climbing course, who are world class at this, they had to be on their feet figuring it out in Fiji at the same time that they were telling you. What did you need to do and what would you be, need to have for gear and what would you need to be ready for? So things kept evolving. You would be told you need pack rafts and they're all packas. And then we would look at the price and say, okay, those are $2,000, let's get a couple, you know? And so it was this crazy situation where you were trying to keep up with the information 
uh, about the race and how dangerous it would be in terms of uh, bacteria, uh, the disciplines involved, and what you would need to be good at. So what I did was I basically looked it over and said, okay, my weakness is outrigger. I've never done, you know, a canoe. So I, I was lucky enough to be running by Lake Natoma and see that there were some outrigger canoes, some Hawaiian canoes in the water. Ugh. And I ran into the office and said, do you teach outrigger here? And they said, oh yes, we have an out, a capital outrigger club. And they were the, the greatest asset to me of all time. <laughs> they taught me everything about outrigger. I never knew they existed in the 20 years I lived here. I'd never seen an outrigger on Lake Natoma, but they are out there at 6 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. every night. And they will teach anybody every aspect of Hawaiian outrigger canoe. That's uh, great, greatest people in the world. They call themselves the fossils in the morning and the racing team in the afternoon. Um, I was also lucky to have Lisa Oberth, who is a world-class uh, outrigger paddler. And uh, now she does um, surf skate, but she lived two doors down from me and she wrote me a note and left it on my door. I heard you're an eco challenge. Um, I will do anything to get you ready for the race. And every night she would give me her OC1 and take me out on Lake Natoma and teach me how to be uh, OC1 paddler. Wow. So I was so lucky because as a runner, you know, we just run, we just run and we, we get on the trail, we put our sneakers on and we run. But it had been 20 years since I'd gotten in the canoe and paddled aggressively. But having Lisa and the Capital Outrigger Club yeah, so that's a long way of saying Outrigger was the key to everything for me. Mm -hmm. And I knew how to climb. I'd done a lot of climbing, but I had to bring it back to myself. And then I had a mountain bike that I bought in 1999. I was very proud of it, but it was so behind the times. So my teammate from Santa Cruz got us six Santa Cruz um, brand new mountain bikes, hardtails. And I had to learn how to do that again as wow. a mom. So basically outrigger in mountain bike um, and then bringing everything back. Um, but it was really a challenge as a mom of three kids. Yeah. I mean, I mean, how many, I mean, there's so many questions. Um, <laughs> so a, a first thing is like, what a lucky break to find an outrigger, <laughs> a rigger canoe, uh, you know, operation on Lake Natoma. I mean, that's, right? That's amazing. Um, and so, I mean, were your other teammates also having to go and try to find like outrigger canoe um, operations where they lived or how did, how did that all work? They did. Um, well, so Brett was in Santa Cruz. So he went to his local outrigger club on the ocean mm. and they're phenomenal. So he was able to join them and get some experience being the steers person, which is the hardest job. Mm -hmm. um, I had my capital outrigger, which I went to every week, twice, you know, as many times as I could. And then Justin was in Folsom. So he was having, he was a teacher and he had a new baby on the way. So he had less time, but he joined us once or twice and learned how to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and then Stephen, who kind of is a free agent, he showed up one day and did it. Uh, on the lake with us so he was able to see and then one day down in Santa Cruz we got to go in the ocean with a professional outrigger and we were able to surf the waves 
and see how you time the waves. Um, but for me, I felt like unless I was doing it every week, I wouldn't feel comfortable being in a race. So I'm kind of a, a disorganized overachiever, but I just felt like I needed to do racing. So I joined the racing club and we did uh, race around Alcatraz, which was one of the most exciting events of my life. Uh, and did a bunch of racing on Lake Natoma with the racing crew. And so, oh, if you so did, like so how, how far in advance of the race date did all of this start, the training and just everything else? Uh, you know, we wrote that video. I had uh, Justin, when he called me, he said, well, in 48 hours, we have to have our video in. And I'm not a techie person. So I'd say the biggest hurdle was getting together our team video for submission. Like that was super stressful. We stayed up till about three in the morning, the whole family to make this video. And then directly after that, there was this long period of silence where we didn't know if he'd been picked. So I was training with the idea of losing weight and getting strong in case we got picked. So I'd say like March 15th, I heard the races in September and this is what we're doing. Mm. So then I just got right on board and just started paddling as much as I could and climbing as much as I could and mountain biking as much as I could uh, with the fact that I pretty much leave racing to the last thing in my life. So uh, yeah, I'd say six months, six months of really hardcore. Yeah. I mean, that, that sounds like the right amount of time based or yeah. <laughs> based on what I saw. Uh, I, I've watched the whole series yeah. um, on Amazon and uh, yeah, just, just seeing the effort and all the different types of things that you had to do and just the mental, you know, uh, um, perseverance that you had to have. I'm, I'm sure like six months was not, you know, I mean, you probably could have trained longer even and, and still felt like you wanted to do more. I mean, it seems like that, that amount of time would be required. Well, you're up against professional adventure racers. So you're a rookie team, never raced together. And all your mind imagines is how much more do I need to know? And so I, like I said, I'm a disorganized overachiever. So I'm thinking there's a lot I need to know. Um, but I just kept telling myself, just like I do with my running, okay, these are the three things I have to cover. And the rest of it's just gonna be, I'm gonna make it up as I go and I'm gonna just adjust and I'm gonna ask people for help and I'm gonna figure it out. So don't be like, ultra runners come with a huge amount of reservoir. I think ultra runners are perfectly equipped to be adventure racers because of their mental, like their mental capacity. So don't be, don't be afraid to try adventure racing if you're an ultra runner. I think it's like the perfect fit. And the first thing I thought when I finished Eco Challenge is, I'm going to go get a team of ultra runners and do this because we already have like 90% of what's required. Let's go back to your kind of to, to your beginning. I, we read through your bio and it's just uh, all the things you were involved with at a very young age. Uh, maybe chat a little bit about how you started running some of your early insp inspirations and uh, some of the activities you were involved with when you were, when you were young. Well, you know, it's funny, I, I actually was already crying tonight because it's really hard for me to talk about, but um, I'm one of nine kids and my older sister, who is, you know, uh, 12 years older than I am, she 
was somebody who loved running. And as a young child being six years old, she had a really profound effect on me because she just, she loved the act of running so much. And it turned out she was bipolar. And for her, um, this is a long story, but for her, the act of running long distance must have enabled her to deal with a condition that had no name at that time. Uh, no one knew bipolar, she was not diagnosed as that. But as a young girl, I always joined her on her runs and was so, I admired her so much for her, um, the, the things that she did. And she ran Boston Marathon at 17 as a junior in high school. Mm. She became pregnant and lost her baby, but continued to train. Um, and then she ran a hundred miles back to back. She ran four marathons back to back on the streets of Boston as a fundraiser. And we followed her in the car. I was eight years old. And I remember her saying to me, like, you're going to do this, like this, you're going to be amazing at this. And soon after she was committed to a psychiatric ward and she stayed there for eight years. Mm. And every day I visited her and every day she would ask me, what'd you run today? And what'd you do today? And she was never um, anything but really supportive of my running career. And at age 12, I started on a cross country team and she would give me all her running tips. And she would say, you know, you're gonna run Boston Marathon and you're gonna run 100 miles. And um, when I was 15, she took her life. Um, mm. But I think for her, um, trail running would have been the key, right? So um, I'm gonna take a drink. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. Oh. Yeah. she was so she was so she was so effective I mean she would write me letters and say this is how you breathe when you pass somebody and this is how you you know this is how you achieve something in a race so she told me that I would go beyond her and I remember after she passed away uh, I I was 16 and I saw an article with Ann Trayson and it was a picture of Ann Trayson from above on the western states trail and her husband was saying 20 miles is just her cup of coffee. Like she's ready to go. Like she loves this Western States race. And I thought that's what Julie would love. I'm going to do that race. Like I'm going to do that for her because that's what she would have loved. Not the streets of Boston, but like these trails with the mountains and the trees. And this was inside me all my life. And I moved to California when I was 29. And I ran for seven years on Western States Trails and had no idea. And one day I saw a little brown sign that said Western States and I stopped to my tracks and I got home and called my husband. And I said, I've been running on the Western States Trail. I thought it was in Colorado, but it's right here. And mm. this is what I promised Julie. I would run for her. Like, this is what I promised. And so all my life, I was a runner, like all my life. It brought so much joy to me. But this, knowing that I was on Western States, I went on this thing called a computer and the internet, and I found that there was a qualifier. And a month later, I ran a qualifier and I qualified for Western States and I entered. And of course, I didn't get in. But that was the beginning of my journey to get into Western States and let God decide when I would get in so that I could run it for Julie. And it took me, um, it took me seven years. So. 
28 years to the day she died was the day I got into Western States. And we ran it together. And I literally had the best race of my life. I ran up devil's thumb. I ran up every mountain and nothing hurt. I was smiling the whole time. And it was, I said to Julie, someday I'll have to run this for myself because I know you're running for me. So Mm. my whole running has been about um, everything she taught me about just being joyful. So I cry a little bit because I never told anybody except for like one friend what my goal was. But my goal was to get into Western States when it was the right time and then run it for Julie. So that's my Um, whole running career. It's not very much, but like all my life, I've been very lucky to be good at running. I really was just trying to get to a place where I could run for Julie. That's and great. You, and, and you uh, did it. That's that's an amazing story. Thank yeah. you for sharing. I have, that. A, I have a silver buckle for Julie. And uh, I always, every time I get in, it's been seven more years since I've been waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe six. I think this year is seven, but there'll be a, you know, it'll be a COVID year. Um, my next is going to be harder because I'll have to run it by myself. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, she literally ran it and I embarrassed myself in front of her photographer because I stopped at a, I stopped before Devil's Thumb and started talking to her and saying, okay, Julie, it's been kind of hard today, but like, I feel like you're doing this for me. And like, I was talking to her and then I turned around and saw a dude just sitting there taking my picture and I was talking to myself. I said, sorry, I said, I'm going to head out to Devil's Thumb now. So uh, next time it'll just be on me to run. Western States. So that's, that's really my inspiration. And, uh, yeah, I've been very lucky in my whole life to be good at running. So that's going to be a special one. I'm sure the next time around. Yeah. Absolutely. It'll be a little slower. I think this time, but uh, you had a great, a great day. I mean, sub 24 silver buckle. I mean, yeah, I'm sure she was lifting you right up along those climbs and, and everything else. A piece of cake. It was literally a piece of cake. I yeah. just felt so much love and um, it was perfect. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, so, I mean, uh, well, I'm just, I'm just collecting myself. I know. Story a little I bit. Know. Sorry. <laughs> about this, I mean, my friends can tell you um, that only Melissa Johnson knew my story. Even my husband didn't know my story. I said, I just wanted one restaurant stage for my sister. And I didn't want to tell anybody because I felt like it would, I don't know. I just, for some reason, it felt very private. And uh, did, but once uh, I got in and yeah. Did, uh, did um, Melissa crew you on that, uh, on that run? She did. My friend, Christy Perry was my pacer. Yeah. Um, we've been through some deeply personal things together and she really was the person that I felt could do that. And then Melissa is just the ultimate crew. And uh, I was so lucky to have, a Tom Robesky be my pacer from Forest Hill to the river. And we flew, we didn't even take our headlamps off till Cal three. And we got there in uh, two hours and 15 minutes. So we just did sub nine minute miles the whole way to the river. Wow. I slowed down a lot after that, <laughs> but uh, Christy was so patient with me. Um, I had some little missteps. But in general, we got our our buckle and uh, for Julie. So, I wonder if MJ would mind uh, just going off mute here and giving us a little flavor. Oh yeah, I love it. She is my she's the heart and soul of 
my Western States race. And I faced her in every single Western States and uh, to have her crew me was such a blessing because I knew she would be there for me. And that was a, a trust thing for me. I needed to know that person would know where I was, know what I needed. And she was the only person who could accomplish that. What do you say to that, Melissa? Uh, well, she always makes me cry. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, you don't go on a trail run um, with us and, and not do that. Um, so I don't know. Is my video on? I don't yeah, know. it's it's on now. Um, so, um, yeah, it was a, it was an awesome, um, experience. We had a really good time. She ran like a champ. Um, I was very lucky because I knew what, um, what this meant to her and, uh, and we just all lived the dream. It was cool. Julie was with us every step of the way for sure. So yeah. it's cool. It's just, um, it's, yeah, you hear these stories of these, all these races, um, they have like a personal meaning, but they have this kind of higher meaning for a lot of people as well. And it's, it's really inspiring to hear that from, from you, Jennifer. And, um, and then other races, I mean, are you, you know, what, what other motivations are you using, I guess, you know, in, in other races, whether it's eco challenge or, or something else, like when you're at your bottom, like you're at that lowest mental state, like, what is it that's, that's going to pull you through? Is it thinking of Julie? Is it thinking of other things? Like, how do you kind of assimilate all that stuff to kind of pull you through those incredibly difficult times? Well, I think, I mean, I, I could be wrong and I'd love to be wrong. I'd love to get hear from a thousand people who could say that's exactly how I feel, but I'm a really unusual runner because I've been running since I was six and I've achieved really great things. Um, I work very, very hard, but it is the last priority in my life is to train and to run. But I, for some reason, because of Julie's belief in me, um, I'm not afraid of anything. So while it might come off as being arrogant, when I know I have a qualifier, I think, okay, what do I need to do to do that? And then I accomplish it, you know, or how do I get a silver buckle? I, I make a whole strategy in my mind and then I, I train very hard to get that way. I don't, there's not a lot of fanfare. I don't really talk about it. I just execute and train. Um, and I've been that way my whole life, eco challenge included. And I think that really comes from watching Julie do things that women did not do at her age in 1978. Mm. They just, they didn't do that. And she always told me, that, that I could. So um, I feel the same right now, I'm almost 50 and I did Eco Challenge. And for me, it made me feel like a warrior again after being a mom for 17 years. It made me feel very like empowered. Like, you know, I have a supportive husband, I have supportive kids and I went out and trained as hard as I could. And I never believed that I can't accomplish it and I try to lift everybody up too and say, just come along with me. Like we can do this, we'll figure it out as we go. But at my lowest point, I'd have to say like Bryce 100 when my mom was, was dying in a, in a, you know, in an ICU room. And she told me like, just get this race done and then come see me. I remember thinking like that 
I believe in myself. And so at my lowest points, I just think you can do this. It's, you know, it's going to hurt a lot. Um, and you might not have the time you want, and it might look really bad on ultra sign up. Like you're going to be like <laughs> last place and you're going to be like a 68%, but who cares? Like you didn't know crew, no pacer. And you just, you just, you went through the process. And so for me, every time I go through the no crew, no pacer process for a hundred, I'm just saying, I'm not saying I don't need people. I'm saying like, Jennifer, you have it in you and you can do it. Like you can get through this and you'll, you'll be able to help the people around you by being positive and cheerful. Like I feel like I'm always cheerful and I'm always positive with people because I want to lift them up and bring them with me. Um, this may be a long answer, but like uh, everything, including Ego Challenge was just saying like, just believe in yourself and trust the people around you and, and get it done. Uh, like I liked when uh, Travis Macy's dad just said, you just have to go through it. You know, like mm-hmm. he kept saying like, you just do it. Like what else can you do? You just go through it. You know, like you have to do it. And that's, that's as simple as my mind gets. I, I really love myself. I like to be with myself on the trails and I love to bring other people happiness when I'm racing. So I love to cheer people up and laugh and just be really positive. That's, so that helped me a lot in Eco Challenge because it was very hard. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I just want a quick comment there on just the attitude that you have. Is it's funny because Mike and I we were talking about this uh, just <clears throat> a day or so ago about just people's attitude and and kind of you know with that positive attitude and you're affecting people around you and then each of them potentially is putting out a positive attitude to another group of people it's kind of like this exponential spread as opposed to like a negative attitude which can also have that exponential spread so why not you know with the positive attitude i mean you're potentially going to you know lift up more people than you even realize um when you're out there and when you're doing these hard things i mean people get into low spots and they have a hard time and and they question like you know, their sanity and why are they doing this and life choices and all kinds of things. So if you're able to pull them through it, that, that's a, such a great thing. And especially with the eco challenge where it's a team and you've all got to rely on each other. And I'm just interested, like in that respect, like the team dynamic there, can you describe what, what that was like, like once you were in the race? Yeah, this is a really hard thing for me to talk about. And I haven't been honest about it. Um, that's why I've avoided all the interviews I've been requested and my family and friends have encouraged me to be honest. And I'm really lucky to have uh, a lot of support from some new team members that have reached out to me. Uh, I want to just mention Jason and Chelsea Magnus from Team Bend. Uh, Chelsea is my new teammate uh, and on an all women's adventure racing team. And Sonia Wydek from Iron Cowboys from Eco Challenge, if you remember her, yep. she's my new teammate. Oh, nice. And um, uh, Renee Metzger, I might get her name wrong, but she's an Olympic runner who is new to adventure racing, but she's my new teammate. And we are discussing uh, how it feels to be the female on a team. Uh, and in one regard, you are basically, uh, you're basically, almost like required gear because there's three males and there has to be a female 
Um, and it's very rare to have a team with two or three females on it. So we're talking about this. And for me on Eco Challenge, I had not raced with my team um, and I was only able to spend time with Justin really, who's my friend and who asked me to be on the team. Uh, Brett was new to me, uh, great guy. And Steven was new to me. So we had not raced together. And when you get in a race situation, you have to have love and support, right? Mm -hmm. And um, not everybody deals with the stress of racing the same way. And I had not experienced, uh, I did not imagine nor experience uh, people in racing who might um, treat me in a way that I wasn't used to. So I would treat someone with utmost respect in a race and not yell or belittle them or intimidate them. Um, and what we're finding in adventure racing for a lot of women who are being brought to teams they haven't been with is that this can be a very uh, difficult situation to be in. Mm -hmm. So on the show, a lot, of, a lot of people wrote me and said, you weren't yourself. You weren't smiling, you weren't laughing. I didn't recognize you. And I said, well, I was in a really difficult situation. So. I was, I was not being myself actually during my racing um, in Eco Challenge. But this is hard for me to say because it, you know, it will obviously elicit criticism, but I, I had a great time with my team. We had some really good aspects, but we had some really tough aspects as well, which weren't shown by the show. And a lot of people have been triggered by it and have written me and said, can you tell me what was going on? I don't understand. It doesn't look, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't sort of add up. So I'm working on that. Um, we had this great attitude, which was to race and meet people and meet the Fijians and like just have a really good time and be super positive and do the best we could and really grind, but also uh, enjoy the, the environment. And so I think we were like one of the producer's favorite teams because we really had a lot of joy, but there were some really dark moments. And as you saw, we didn't finish the race and you might've seen that. It, it led to uh, some, some really hard interpersonal situations. Mm. Um, what just, were the, you know. What were the backgrounds of the people? Because what, you know, like being an ultra runner and this community is about ultra runners. I think we're different than other sports. I think it, generally, I think the ultra runners are different. They're different than like than the, the, the marathoners and the road runners and the, they're just a little bit, I mean, I don't know if it's longer races, but what are the backgrounds of the people? How did that, do you think that played into their general competitive behavior or the way that they react to situations? That's such a, such a great question. I really struggle with this um, in the past year thinking about it. Um, I My reaction was, once I finished, was I'm going to find a team of ultra runners <laughs> because to me, like, that is the ultimate mindset. And I have. My, my new teammates are Alan and Beverly Anderson Abs, who everyone knows as the ultimate couple. They've done Eco Challenge. Um, they've done everything together for 26 years. They are the ultimate uh, positive mindset and Rolly Delphin, who is from Forest Hill. And you can't meet a more positive person than, than Rolly. Um, 
that's the people that you want to be with on course. Um, I would say that our backgrounds coming into Ego Challenge were myself as an ultra runner and a mom, like I'm basically just an old mom, you know, I'm almost 50 and Rusty had a lot of the skill sets. So I was coming in with, you know, my biggest heart, my ultra running background, my suffering background, uh, Justin Smith, who is a phenomenal mountain biker, uh, adventurer. He's done everything in the world. Uh, triathlete, he's everything. Um, he has a racing background. Uh, so he has a fantastic mindset. Uh, Brett was coming into it new as a surfer and a volleyball player, but it was really his idea and his dream that formed our team. And then we had Steven, who was an MLS soccer player uh, for a long time. So he's not now, but he was previously um, an MLS soccer player. Uh, and his claim to fame is the second most hated MLS soccer player in the league. At least that's what, you know, he is. He's, he's been around a long time. He's known as the Bash Brothers. So we had a lot of different backgrounds. Mm. Um, and I would say that um, my idea as an ultra runner is to like adjust and support and be super, you know, supportive of every decision. But I lacked the, uh, actually, basically the eyesight to see the maps and I didn't see that coming. I really didn't see that coming. It was new to me that my eyesight was that way in terms of being a navigator. And I felt um, that the speed at which we made decisions was harder for me. So our background was different things. Some people motivated through, uh, you know, yelling and, you know, sort of like saying like aggressively what's going on and let's change this and that. And I'm more used to um, cooperative, uh, empathetic discussion. So that's, I don't know how else to say it other than I would like a team where we do more teamwork and actually race together more so we understand each other's strengths better. I mean, it should be a lot easier if you have people that are local to you, I suppose. It'd be fantastic to be local. We're really excited. We haven't been picked yet, of course. So we might not be, we're not very dramatic. So <laughs> we might not meet the show's billing. Um, but Alan and Bev are world-class and anybody smart on Amazon would know to, to have them uh, competing because they're a great example of teamwork and love. Uh, yeah. I mean, haven't they done Barkley as well or been yeah. in it? Yeah, like oh my God. Uh, Alan's done it six times. Um, yeah. <laughs> no one understands how big that is. But yeah. like, that was the last female to do the fun run. Um, she's done it twice. And she basically said, like, I should have been out there with a better mindset that I do it three times. You know, so she is breaking records. You know, this year she broke the Canadian and U.S. women's record for the 50 mile. She's out there. Um, she's queen of the South. I mean, and they're just so loving and supportive of each other. Mm -hmm. uh, and Roly, I've met recently, we went running uh, last week and we're going rafting this weekend. And he is just a ball of positive energy. So I feel really hopeful if we get picked, I feel excited. Uh, I mean, I got to imagine like you were in it already hopefully that'll give you like a little bit of an edge towards applying again. And especially with this team, it sounds like just the positive aspect of it. and 
yeah, just being able to kind of showcase, you know, all of yourselves, you know, in that way, I, I would think would be attractive. Well, we're, um, we're team American river cause we all live on the American river and nice. I feel so grateful for living here and being able to run. I literally run out my back door every day. It's not exciting. I, you know, I trained for Western States in my backyard, you know, like I, it's not boutique running, it's not fancy, but it gets the job done. So, and Bev's the same way, you know, she's world-class and training right here on the American river. Mm -hmm. So we're team American river and we'll see, but even if we don't get picked, we could still race together and we're excited. So it's, it's totally fine. Like it's whatever works out. Yeah. Now for anyone that's not familiar with adventure racing per se, I mean, what is the, what is that scene like as opposed to ultra running? I mean, I'm assuming there's plenty of adventure races all over, but like, are there hierarchies? Are there qualifiers for different levels? Like, how does that all work? It's so new to me, but I'm, you know, team Bend has taken me under their wing and they contacted me and said, you know, would you be our teammate? And uh, could you come up to Bend in October and race with, Chelsea and so Chelsea is showing us the ropes of adventure racing. So I'm just learning and understanding. And I've met so many people through Eco Challenge. Uh, you know, Hunter, who was the youngest kid. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, friends with so many people from racing on the course and before and after the race, meeting people. I think it's a really phenomenal world. I think there's a lot of room for uh, teams that are loving and supportive like uh stray dogs mm -hmm. and there's you know there's a whole other area of like if you are you know a new team and just being picked for whatever reason um here's some tools you can use to make your experience better so i'm going to learn i'll let you know october 25th we have our first six hour which is a, a sprint basically <laughs> so we're going to be like sprint orienteering sprint racing sprint running sprint everything I'll learn. Oh, it's like six hour sprint. It's a six hour sprint. And I I'm waiting to see like, am I good? Am I a good teammate? I don't know. So it's I'm almost 50, but it will be a new experience. But having Chelsea and uh Jason, you know, kind of take Sonia and I under his wing and like teach us, they're they're just phenomenal people. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's like a whole new thing to learn. Just like a lot of us learned, what was this ultra running thing? When we first started, nobody had any idea. When yeah. I, when I got into ultra running, I was coming from bike racing where you don't walk your bike up hills, you ride your bike up hills. So of course I'm going to run up every hill I find. Well, then I find out, no, you're supposed to walk up hills. So it's just, there's a lot of nuances that we don't realize. And this is, I mean, especially with adventure racing, it sounds like because there's so many different disciplines too, it's going to have to be uh, just a huge amount of information to, uh, to absorb. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because Patagonia will be horseback riding, uh, you know, mountaineering, crevasse travel you know there are things that i've done like i've done a lot of mountaineering in my past not for a while but horseback riding i think i was 12 last time i did that year round uh, so you start thinking okay i'll call kim barger you know i'll call like i'll call the people who i know are good at this and i think that like sends out this web of you know a web of community of saying 
who's the best mountaineer I know? Who's the best horseback rider? You know, do I call Renee? Do I call Helen Pilster? Like, who do I call? Like, and I think that lends itself to all of us growing closer. Yeah. Well, and funny, you should mention Helen. I mean, just, you know, we talked to her a while back and just living in this area, we've, we've started to find out. I mean, there's plenty of, you know, what we thought initially were ultra runners. They are, but they also have all these amazing other skills. And we talked to Renee the last time uh, we were on and she's, you know, an expert rock climber, mountaineer, mm -hmm. all these things. And you can, like you said, like, yeah, who, who can I call? And all these people have been so supportive. Uh, you know, Mike and I were just out, you know, playing around on some rocks yesterday <laughs> and, and Renee was giving us some tips about some, you know, some routes we should try and things like that. So everybody's just, I've found very supportive and, and encouraging and all that. And that's got to help your, your, uh, your efforts. It's amazing. Um, I've met someone, I got included in a small Facebook group called Tierra Adventures and Rick McBee. Hi, Rick, if you're there. Um, he, he just organizes these weekend ventures where like this weekend on Saturday morning, we're gonna get up at six and we're gonna go take our pack raft that he just bought and we're gonna rappel down with it. And we're gonna, you know, we're gonna like rappel down the quarry. We're gonna carry it to the river. We're gonna learn how to blow it up. We're gonna raft down the river. And my teammate Sonia is coming up from San Luis Obispo and we're gonna do this big adventure just to learn how to do the components of the adventure race that we're all doing in October. And he's willing to put a lot of time into that. And I, I just appreciate it so much. That's so great. Yeah, Rick, uh, appreciate that. My new neighbor uh, out here from Colorado. <laughs> so he's the one doing it. So yeah. he bought himself an alpaca, which is what we're racing in. And so, so we said, damn, we really need to roll up an alpaca and put it in our pack and learn how to carry it. Mm. What we'll be asked to do in October. Yeah, and we've never done it. So he's teaching us how to do it this weekend. And that's like just something that I'm just so grateful for. That's so amazing. Yeah. Uh, one thing I forgot to ask before, just quickly shifting, because I just wanted to understand it. Are you self-funding? Are the teams funding all of this equipment? You know, like what, what breakdown of costs between you versus the Eco Challenge? Um, how does that work? Well, it was, it was completely new to me. I was the team captain, so I had to learn logistics. My role was basically, you know, learning logistics and answering emails and understanding the funding. Um, we were supposed to be able to get sponsors, but Amazon decided that was too complicated. So we had, we had actually paid someone to get a whole sponsorship campaign for us. Then we found out that it was, we would be breaking our contract sponsorship. So we, um, found out that instead we'd be getting a stipend. I think you could accept the stipend and not get sponsorships, or you could choose to go sponsorships. I'm not sure what was decided, but in our case, being rookies, we took the stipend and split it amongst our team members. Um, so even with that stipend, I probably spent another $13,000 in gear and travel costs because, well, <laughs> My husband's it's like no, it's 50, <laughs> Actually, I wanted well, to get Travis on, so maybe this is. <laughs> I know, we might need you now. Um, so Travis actually was kind enough to get a, a sponsorship from his company, uh, Westerfeld Ecological, which does. Oh, here he is. No, no. So we're talking about money now. Okay, <laughs> this is serious. This is where it really gets serious. But 
you know, they they first said, um, you know, you know, here's your group. And so we thought, here's a great opportunity to promote Team Curl. You got an MLS soccer guy. You got my wife. You've got they they've got hair. I mean, why not Herbal Essence? Why don't they give us one hundred and fifty thousand dollars? <laughs> and then then it was a week later. It said, no, no, you're not taking sponsorship because they needed you know sponsorships, TV money. They didn't want conflicts. I understood that, so they gave the team fifty thousand dollars. And then they went out and solicited a few uh, a few companies to say, hey, could you give us some money? And Westerfeld, you know, my company ended up giving them a little bit of money as well, but they couldn't put labels on. They couldn't do any of that. So what um, Westerfeld gave them a little bit of money to Amazon might taser us at this point. So I'm just watching. We can always, hopefully we can edit in post-production here. <laughs> hopefully in small fries. I know if they call me tomorrow and say, please edit your post-production. Yeah. Um, I, I will know because I've heard this happens. Um, but they did give us a 50,000 hour spike. And we have five people on our team. So you would think that would be pretty easy. But basically um, we had, you know, we had a lot of costs because we were a new team. So we all needed matching bikes with the same components. Uh, my bike was stolen five days before the race. So out of my own pocket, I rebought the bike with all of its gear, its lights, its bags, its, you know, all this stuff. That was another four or $5,000. So I just could not believe how expensive adventure racing was. Um, I don't think it would be easy for someone to enter like I did uh, without a large savings account and without a really supportive husband. I sold plasma yeah. five times a week. <laughs> for 40, basically. It was terrible. <laughs> it was crazy. And, and you start doubting yourself like, well, I have a really light shell, but maybe there's a lighter shell, you know, like, so maybe when I'm in that river that, you know, uh, Dan Barger told me was the coldest place he'd ever been in his life. I should probably get a neoprene three millimeter and carry it with me for three days. And I did, and like, it made all the difference, you know, to have my neoprene shell in the middle of the night, swimming that river for seven hours. Um, so you find yourself saying, well, that, that piece of equipment would really make the difference between me, you know, performing well or helping my team out, um, or maybe my teammates can't afford this, so I'll buy it, you know, like mm. I'll be the one who this. Uh, so there is that in people. I've had a lot of people write me and say, how much does it cost to do this race? And I'm very honest with them. I give them my entire spreadsheet and I say, this is what I spent. Um, you don't need to do this, but unfortunately this is how I felt I needed to invest in it in order to make sure my teammates got to the finish line. I think the question was, yeah. honey, should I buy this or should I die in Fiji? I'm like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Probably buy it. <laughs> on the credit card. I mean, yeah, just, out. You, you know, you go to the outlet of Patagonia and you start buying the down jacket and the the ultimate shell. And you're like, totally. you know, I'm one of nine kids. I don't buy this way. But uh, for adventure racing, I felt like I had to. And we didn't have sponsorship. So, so that's something. But don't let that stop you. I'll lend you the equipment if you need it. Nice. You know, the, the guy Bear Grylls, I watched him 10 years ago, and he has such a high tolerance for for discomfort. I think that's his that's his superpower is I, you know, a little different from me. I'd, be, I'd buy all the warm stuff, but he just he's good at suffering, eating stuff, 
falling from things, being cold, being wet. That's like his superpower, huh? Well, you know, he was a super nice guy on the race, but I have to say the guy that impressed me most is Kevin Hoder. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Kevin Hoder or Kevin Hoder. He was my absolute favorite human being. That guy, he is just, uh, he's like a, a Buddha. And uh, he just won an adventure race with his team. So he really put his, uh, put himself on the line, entered a race in Canada, won it. And just, you know, just recon the whole course in Patagonia a couple of weeks ago or whatever it was. And so brought Bear Grylls, I just wanted to see him at an adventure race. I loved him, but I'd like to see him race. You know, I was nice to see the race, uh, the course, what do they call it? The course, um, not directors, but the, the people that set the course for, for, for Fiji, they go out and for Patagonia, they go out and they, they do the course and they see what are the uh, obstacles to racers. These are the unsung heroes of, of Eco Challenge. Um, Bear Grylls is pretty good looking though in person, to be honest. I mean, you get up close to the guy, positive. he's very charismatic. Very he looks you in the eye, you know, he stares at your children and shakes their hand. He actually is actually not, um, he's not what I was expecting. He actually was pretty engaging in person. Really authentic kind of guy. Right, warm hugs. Yeah, which is interesting. But seriously, <laughs> the course designers for Eco Challenge, they're like, they're where it's at. Awesome. They're well, awesome guys. It's great to hear like all about all the, the different aspects of the race then. Yeah. Um, oh, it's crazy. You're at a hotel. There's there's fair grills coming in a helicopter, cameras <laughs> all around them. You know, you're eating your mimosas. You don't know what's going on. Uh, so, so I think one of the funnier things that I thought happened was they had the closing ceremony, which was a very big deal. I mean, it was everybody was in the lobby, but it was also the same time as the major rugby tournament going on in Fiji. Yeah. And so no one really wanted to have anything to do with like Eco Challenge. They all wanted to see the rugby tournament going on. So the World Cup. So anyway. Yeah, it was. Fiji is just just to say this out of the blue, but Fijians are the nicest humans that I've ever met in the world. They will do anything for you, and there's nothing they love more than rugby. It's true. So, yeah. But the other the other point is there was a lady that drove by our house. She was Fijian, and all of a sudden, she they stopped. They they slowed up because we had a. a a team curl like banner on our, on our banner. door. And she, this truck, this vehicle slows up and it's, it parks, it backs up, it slows up. I thought they needed something. And then the lady was like, you team curl. And I was like, no, nah, my wife, she's team girl. And this lady comes out and she wanted to give Jennifer a hug. She said it was so amazing to see her in her homeland. And she wanted to paddle with Jennifer and she was the nicest lady. And they just randomly stopped her house. Well, it was so sweet. She started crying and she said, you're Jennifer. And I said, hi, you know, and she said, I'm from Fiji. And I said, are you from Suva? And so we started talking and she came in and I brought this, we sh I showed her my medallion from the. Oh, you got one of those. Yeah. Nice. I showed her the maps of Suva and uh, all my gear. And she's this phenomenal athlete from Fiji. And she said, my husband and I kayak all the time and we would just love for you to kayak with us. And I said, great, I'll need that for Patagonia. So call me. 
Yeah. I mean, all these connections that just, yeah. I mean, all, all these sports, these, these incredible endurance sports, they just for, form these and forge these, these incredible connections. It sounds like, so it sounds like the experience was so rich for you. That's, that's great. And everybody should do it. Maybe on the challenge, I, I know it's very popular right now, but you need to know there are many, many races besides Eco Challenge. Just like there's not just Western states or there's not just, you know, uh, hard rock. There are many more hundred milers that are just as compelling and satisfying. So look for your local adventure race and call me up if you need some gear because I've got a lot. Perfect. Well, that's an excellent segue, I think. Is that true, Mike? got some questions yes. questions we have some audience questions i do well the first one mj is telling me that i need to ask you about all night in a river story we got to hear it do i have to leave for this i'm totally okay with up <laughs> i have to leave i'm fine all night in the river in fiji oh fair enough not okay. a different all night okay um <laughs> so Everybody wants to know, was All Night in the River as horrible as it was portrayed on TV? And my answer is yes. It is. Uh, I, was, I was forewarned by Ray Malone of El Dorado Hills and Dan Barger of, of Auburn, who were both on the ninth or 10th place team, 2002 Eco Challenge Fiji. And they both, Dan in particular said, it was the coldest he'd ever been in his entire life. And Roy said the same thing. And they told me this maybe about June last year. And I thought to myself, if Dan and Roy were the coldest they've ever been, I'm screwed. I mean, I get hyperthermic in air conditioning. So that's what prompted me to buy my, my neoprene layer. Um, and they said, you need to have a neoprene layer. Don't listen to what anyone says about the weight put it in your pack and then you'll be okay. So that river section, we, we basically summited the, um, the rock climb. It took us maybe six and a half hours to get to the top of the cliff. We basically and summited. It's, it's um, windy and so the wind is howling. You're trying to cork some calories in and Justin and I turned around and just saw black water. And we realized that what we had to do was leave the rock climb and turn around and, and jump in with our packs into the river and just start swimming. How and long was the swim? So that might've been like, we don't have watches and we're not allowed to have watches. So that might've been like seven at night. It was still light out. And with one very unfortunate foray into the bamboo forest, which we quickly ditched and said, no way, like we're totally gonna get lost. And we jumped back in the water. We were there till two in the morning at least. And we swam the whole way. And uh, I remember just wanting to be done and being like the first person, just grunting and like, just literally just accepting that my life sucked and just grunting through the water and emerging through the water like a primordial being and into the freezing cold night. And just being like, I think it's done. Like you weren't really sure you were like, is it done? Are we on a road? Like, are we done? And we saw on the map that we had to be done, but we, you couldn't really tell because you had to keep getting in. And then suddenly like a warming tent appeared out of nowhere with coffee and hot chocolate. And we hadn't had any help like that the whole race. 
And I just remember being like stunned after 10 days to have coffee offered to me, you know, like, but it was so cold that you couldn't really, you couldn't really talk about it. So I was proud of myself because I get hypothermic and I was, I actually handled it okay. We passed a lot of teams in very dire circumstances, like laying on the ground, hypothermic, and you try to help them or try to figure out what you can do to help them. But they basically just have to get up and start moving. So I got a small sunburn on the beach that day. It hurt. I had to put aloe on. That's the hardest on the crew. <laughs> so hard. And I had three kids running around. It was so stressful. It was, yeah. It was the, it was the house husband eco challenge for me. Yeah. Three kids make swimming in a cold river for seven hours. Totally. She stayed out there on really purpose easy. longer. So she didn't have to come back. I get it. It's really, the show only shows like a tiny part of that, yeah. but you were in that river. We were in that river from daylight until, you know, probably two in the morning. Yeah, so five or six hours, right? Seven hours? Long time. I don't know. We don't, yeah. at that point in the race, you aren't thinking in terms of hours. And I got burnt in like 25 minutes. Yeah. So we, we handled it really well. We were actually proud of ourselves. We got through a lot of hard stuff very easily. Nice. Compared to like four teams, like I feel like as a rookie team, that was not an issue for us. Like we, we just did it. In the exit interview, they desperately wanted Jennifer to admit that that was the hardest race she'd ever done. And she wouldn't, I don't think she would actually say, yeah, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. I just said, no, I'm sorry. Bighorn 100 is the hardest they thing. They wanted the sunlight. They I was wanted, like, yeah. have you been to Bighorn 100? <laughs> You're like, you're not getting the sound bite. No. <laughs> I, was just, I was just like, I was like, I'm sorry, but like Big Home 100, like mentally, like to run on one leg for 68 miles was, was harder than, yeah. than that. But no, I, and I, I did just, I did say, but your course designers did an amazing job of making it really hard, mentally hard. Yeah. Uh, physically, I felt like there are some hundred milers that I had a harder time on. Yeah, I had no idea it was for that long. Um, thank you, MJ, for making her tell us. <laughs> and then um, Brian is on Zoom right now, and he has a question um, that I'm super interested in as well, being a mom and liking, liking to do big adventurous stuff. So go ahead. Ryan. There we go. There it, is. it kept it kept muting. Um, so I'm looking at doing a, a longer race uh, in probably about two years, and it's going to require multiple days of probably about 50 miles or so. Like, how did you? I know that you guys were were training for multiple days. Like, how did you train for that consistent, like long, hard, you know, day after day punishment? How did you get your body prepared for that, I guess? You know, um, for me, because I came from an ultra running background, um, I, I had done enough multi-day excursions that I knew how my body would react mentally and physically in terms of nutrition. Do you mean in terms of like your wife and kids or do you mean in terms of physiologically? No, uh, more, more physically. Yeah. Um, just, just like, you know, I can run really well for a day, 
you know, maybe two, but like you're, you know, you just have that muscle soreness, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like how you, how you overcome that? Um, it's a really good question. I think it comes down to mindset. So for me, when I start a hundred mile race, I do no crew, no pacer often as a way to prepare myself for that ultimate, um, sort of like that no net, you know, no safety net. And what can I do to solve the problems as they come up? So if I can do a hundred mile race, like the bear or bighorn by myself, um, then I just apply those lessons to multi-day. Uh, it might help that I traditionally have been someone who doesn't need much sleep. So are you someone that needs a lot of sleep or are you a light sleeper? Uh, yeah, I have three kids. I don't get any sleep. Okay. So You're you, good. Oh, You'll feel amazing out of the house. Good. Although I couldn't yeah. do any of this. So I just like to say that. But <laughs> I, yeah. Well, you'd be awesome. I mean, it's mindset. So it's really about if you have three kids and you don't get much sleep and you can do a hundred mile race or something of that duration, say 36 hours um, and solve all your problems, throwing up blood, throwing up bile, you know, um, diarrhea for five hours. If you can solve um, parenting, cramping, you know, like if you can think to yourself, okay, I need magnesium or I need get, like, if you can solve diarrhea, throwing up all that stuff, um, and you have the idea in your head that you're not going to stop. You're not going to have any problem committing to your teammates or from, you won't be able to practice it. It's like when you train for a hundred miler, do you run a hundred miles? No. Some people say, and the best people, even my friend, Nikki Kimball says the most you need to run is say 40 miles to be sure that you have the mindset. Of course, she's a longtime endurance runner. So she has that, that inner, inner knowledge. But um, you will never be able to practice the multi-day stuff until you're doing it. But if you have the right mindset and you can solve those little things as you go along, nutrition and physical discomfort in your, in your feet, you can keep care of them, you're going to be just fine. And that's what I was. like. We had no problems with our feet, even though many people did. So I think if you can solve those things and educate yourself on um, your nutrition, then you're going to be just fine. But it really comes from knowing yourself. Like, I know what I need going into a race. I know I need to take extra selenium, extra magnesium. I need to eat oysters. Like, I know what I need to do. And even though it's not in any book or no one ever told me, I feel like I know what I need to do. And then when I get there, I feel very confident that I can help others because I'm all set. Does that make sense? Okay. I don't have a book on that. I just, I feel like that's how I operate as a very busy mom. Where racing is the last thing I think about. So I'll make a pitch. Jennifer does every, honestly, she does this for free. If someone has a goal from a running standpoint that they want to meet and they have a time in mind, she'll tell you exactly how to hit that time and she'll be spot on. And she, she just likes doing it. And I'm it's amazing to me. And she's not, not a coach, coach. <laughs> but she'll tell you what you need to do from a training aspect and to hit a time you want, you got it. So bugger. It's a weird, it's a weird magical. And it's free with free advice. Totally free. Yeah. I'll, I'll be reaching out. I okay, do it. Good. Thank you. It's my weird superpower. <laughs>
Thank you, Jennifer. Sure. That was awesome. And then we have uh, Jack Meyer is in the um, Zoom right now, and he Hi. wants me to ask you, hey, Jack, uh, did you did it ever cross your mind the, during Eco Challenge that your body can do 27% more than your mind says it can? She will know what I'm talking about, smiley face. Like every freaking minute of the day, Jack, you're in my head. God, that 27% thing just like, I think I stick a half on there too. Like Jack Myers, you are the mayor of all ultra running. Yes. I absolutely had that in my mind and, and accomplished it. So thank you, Jackie. And just from a personal um, standpoint, I, it's so much of our sport is mind over matter. And it seems like you've said it a couple of times, like training is the last thing you have work and a family and marriage. And we don't always hear that from people who have done really big things. And for me, just personally, yeah, my kids are literally first and my training is last. And um, it's nice to see that you can still be really passionate about the things that are last on your list and get big things done. This is such a good point. And I feel like that might be my only gift that I can offer people is I was super lucky to meet the people I met early in life. And one being my cross country coach in high school who also coached tons of world-class athletes. And what he taught us is that there's only three things you really need to do to, to, be, to be good at your sport. And you can never shirk on those. If you do those three things, you're always going to succeed. And yet he didn't teach us to overtrain. And I've seen multiple world-class athletes from, from my school class alone. You know, like I said, Nikki Kimball, Tyler Hamilton, Chris Davenport, you know, Nina Silich-Cook, she's world-class schemo. We all learned from Phil Peck how to say, this is all the time I have. Um, I'm not a professional athlete. But if you do your work, and I always say to myself, what do I need to do this week to get this accomplished? And I only have this much time. I have a tiny bit of time. And then you just do those things. And you will, as a mom, you will accomplish it. You just have to do those three things, which for me are hill repeats, tempo speed workouts, and a long run. And you have to enjoy yourself. And you have to be happy about it. But if you do those three things, you will always accomplish what you want to accomplish. I believe. Perfect. Well, thanks yeah. so much, um, Jennifer. That's, I think, a great note to end on. Um, really appreciate all of the insights that you gave and, and just the heartfelt you know, way that you expressed those things. Uh, I think uh, we all got a real sense of you know, the meaning in your life and um, you know, just how much all this uh, means to you, but also the bigger picture, the family, the children, everything else. It's like a complete unit. Um, and I think that came across really well. So I really want to thank you for that. So I think we only have three or four more hours here. So yeah, <laughs> we could, as usual, could go on all night. <laughs> Did you have anything you want to say, Mike? Call, anybody can call or ask me any running related questions or eco challenge related questions. Um, I have signed up for next year with my new team and happy to give advice on anything I can give advice on. So, 
Awesome. No, this is great. Thank you, Jennifer, for joining us and everybody. Yeah. Thanks. As usual, I just want to put in a little uh, shout out to the aid station, uh, Paula Medina's store in Auburn, California. Whenever you're around, stop by. I was there today. Pay him a visit, say hi. And uh, I know he's doing runs on Thursday nights for anybody that's interested. And hopefully we'll be doing some in-person uh, beer drinking soon enough too. So <laughs> they still do pay it forward beer board. Where they do. You, that is an amazing concept. Like you, they have a board on there and you can buy people beer and then their name shows up there. It's really great. It's really sweet. Yeah. 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 There's, there's a few names up there I saw today, so I'm hoping we can I've start. I've never seen my name up there, so I'm giving a shout-out to the 77 people up there that are watching. <laughs> spelled correctly there. should be on the board. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thanks again, everybody, and uh, join us again. We should have an announcement for our next guest up very shortly, so stay tuned for that, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.